We are uh, glad to be back. Um, we left some dead weight in Southern California. Uh, no, not really. I just say I, that's, I, I joke to cover up for how I'm really feeling about it, which is, uh, you know, I just lost my two kids, uh, at least for a few months. Um, but uh, everything went smoothly. They're super excited. They had a good week. Um, it, uh, I did not ball my eyes out, which is, is a good thing, is a, is a plus. I think I was too excited for them uh, that I kind of kept that at bay for me. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I was really thinking, I, I think with dropping them off, I was having a lot of maybe nostalgic thoughts. Um, but I was really thinking about how I am just so appreciative of the way that you guys have been involved in their lives over the past three years. Um, as you can imagine, us making the transition from San Diego to here, right in the middle of their high school career, was a little, you know, nerve-wracking for us. And, and honestly, our biggest concern, hands down, there wasn't even a close second, was them and, and how it would impact them. And, um, and I just ha have so appreciated the way you've built into their lives and, um, and just made it a smooth uh, transition and, and really supported them in getting on to this next step in their lives. Uh, and now Melissa and I are home in a very empty house with um, no, no kids around. We keep joking, like, when are the kids coming home? Uh, because that is the question we used to ask ourselves every day, like, what time is Clark going to be here tonight? And yeah, anyway. Um, but we are... Uh, we are enjoying kind of the quietness, honestly. Um, but um, you can pray for us, pray for them, honestly. Uh, Clark, uh, if anybody remembers your freshman year, first week of freshman year, high stress, like you're, you're getting all these syllabi that tell you like 50,000 things you gotta do in the next, uh, you know, 16 weeks. And um, so he's a little stressed, but. Please be praying for them. Uh, be praying for us as we learn how to support them in this next phase of their of their lives. Um, that would be awesome. We are uh, we're, we're finishing up this uh, series this week. Ideal Church. Um, this is uh, this series that came out of this document I I kind of added to over the years, um, just about how. Uh, a, ch a church that I feel like would be ideal, you know, looking back at the, the first century church, some things I envied about them uh, that, I, that I wasn't really experiencing in church uh, to, to the fullest degree, and just, uh, just was, have been letting my idealism on this stuff fly for the last couple of months, and um, we're going to finish today. Um, in fact, you might have noticed I'm kind of throwing in uh, the kitchen sink today, because there's actually three different things that we're going to cover um, where we've just been covering basically one each week. We're going to cover three today um, in kind of a short way. They're sort of related to one another, um, but I wanted to get them all in before we get back in Romans next week. Um, so first one is this. The ideal church is where the people do life together. Um, I asked Melissa this week, uh, is do life together, is that, is that something that people know what I mean when I say that? And she's like, yeah, yeah, people know that. So you guys know what I mean by saying that, right? Do life together. 
um, that, we, that we go through life together, that we're with each other, we experience life together, that we're not just a loose association of people who, um, who kind of get together every so often and sort of, you know, know superficially what's going on uh, with each other, but actually we walk through all the ups and downs of life together. And that this, that this be a place where there's actually deep connection between us and we know each other. We know each other well, truly know each other. Not just some, some uh, face we, we plaster on for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and yeah, everything's great, but actually a deep knowing. And I would actually say that this particular one is, I think, is essential for most of the other ones to work. Uh, if you think about it, this, we talked a, a few weeks ago about the idea of holding our possessions loosely with one another, right? I don't see how that can occur at all unless we know each other, unless we're in deep relationship with one another, right? Um, this unity that we're striving for occurs when, when we fellowship over the deepest things in our lives and we know each other, uh, be, be, we know what's going on with each other and can find that deep unity with one another. I don't know how we can address clear sin in another believer's life unless we know each other, right? Um, if you don't know, if we don't know one another, have a deep knowing of one another, then how can we, uh, how can we address sin in someone's life without it coming across as being just me judging you, right? I, we're going to have some superficial relationship and then I'm going to tell you how to live your life. No, that doesn't work. It's got to come out of a place of, of love and, and deep knowing. And this is one that I'm, I'm very jealous of the first church because they, uh, especially the earliest church, um, did this. This is at Acts 2. We've been in here a lot during this series. It says this. So then those who had received his word and were baptized, those who had received his word and baptized, and that day there were added to, were added about 3,000 souls. I can't read. So this is that, that setting where Peter uh, shares the truth about who Jesus is, this Jesus that, that they had just crucified. He shares the truth about that. You have, uh, to this huge crowd of, of Jewish people, you have like 3,000 people going, yes, I'm going to respond to that. He's clearly the Messiah. Yes, I'm, I'm doing that thing, right? So they respond. Now we have the first church ever, right? This congregation of people. Look at what it says. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place among the apostles. They were, they were devoting themselves to some very specific things, dedicating themselves to some very specific things. They were dedicating themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching, which is what we do on a regular basis, right? We spend a lot of time in the apostles' teaching. They dedicated themselves to fellowship. Understand, these are 3,000 people who are mostly strangers at this point, right? They don't know each other. They might know, have some vague connection because, you know, maybe they know someone who knows someone who knows someone or whatever, but this is not a, a group of people who had existed before and had deep fellowship with one another. So they were like, we're going to dedicate ourselves to fellowship. We're going to dedicate ourselves to being together. 
And they also dedicated themselves, this one might sound a little weird to you, but they dedicated themselves to eating together, to breaking bread together, to going, we're just going to, we're going to have fellowship over a meal together, which actually meant more in the first century than it does today, but it still means something today, right? And they devoted themselves to prayer, individual prayer, corporate prayer. They spent a lot of time in prayer. These are the things they went, we're going to commit ourselves to this. And then we have this situation that I mentioned, uh, we talked about a few weeks ago, and, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. This commitment to this kind of deep knowing, this deep fellowship, this deep being together resulted in this miraculous situation in which they were just holding their possessions loosely with one another. Look at the next thing, though. This, to me, I look back and I go, man, to experience that would have been cool. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the... They set up kind of what is going on between these people, this commitment to, to teaching and to fellowship and to being together and to eating together and to praying together. And then it gives a time frame. This, what, they weren't doing this once a week for an hour. They weren't doing this two times a week. They were getting together every single day. Now, when I just think about the reality of that, it just blows my mind. Like, how, how could that even be feasible? It, it, it seems a little more feasible in their time. It seems impossible in our time, right? Getting together every day. By the way, I don't think this is prescriptive to us. I don't think this is telling us we have to get together every day. I'm not even suggesting that we do get together every day. We all have busy lives. But I can tell you, they thought it was so important to dedicate themselves to these things that they did it over and over. Just all the time. Like their life was consumed with each other. I know we can't do this. But just dream with me for a second. Imagine if we could all quit our jobs, all, you know, disconnect ourselves from all other commitments we have, and we dedicated ourselves to each other, to teaching and prayer and eating together, fellowshipping together, day after day after day after day. What do you think would happen to us? We would have a deep community, right? I mean, it would, it would be something way beyond anything, I think, anything any of us have ever experienced before. Now, again, we can't do that. So, so my question is, as I look at this and I go, I'm envious of this, but completely impractical and impossible. How can we in 21st century America, California, Red Bluff, how can we dedicate ourselves to those things? What would that look like for us to dedicate ourselves to teaching, to dedicate ourselves to, 
to fellowship, to dedicate ourselves to eating together and taking meals together, dedicating ourselves to prayer, what would that look like? How would that work in our busy 21st century craziness? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't have any good ideas. Well, I have some ideas on on how we can do some of that. Because I think as impractical as this would be for us, and I would say probably impossible or nearly impossible, I think it's very possible that we could see each other more than Sunday morning. Can we agree? I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible that we could be opening up the word with each other more than just right now. I think we could do that. I think it's very possible that we could be hosting people for meals at our house on a regular basis. I think we could do that. In fact, I'm going to plug Friday. We're doing this, right? Guess who's coming to dinner? Some of you guys are signed up for it. If you're not signed up for it, we still got spots. Just put your name on a list. Talk to Melissa. We'll plug you in somewhere. Go have a meal. That's all it is. You're just going to go have a meal at somebody's house. But it's obviously more than that, right? I think we can, if we were committed to this, if we were committed to true relationship with one another, I think it would look different. And I don't know about you, maybe I'm all alone here, I long for that. I desire that. I want to be known, truly known. And I want to truly know you guys. I want that. I want deep community. So what would it look like for us to commit ourselves to that? I just want to be a part of a church that does. I'm going to ask uh, three kind of practical questions this morning that come out of this whole teaching this morning, which is questions that I really want for our self-reflection. How are you seeking spiritual growth here? That's one. Second is, how are you pursuing connection with others and finding community here? And third how are you serving here? I've, I think those three questions are pretty important. And, and I'm not going to ask those questions of you, but I think it's, those are questions you should ask of yourself this morning. And honestly, if I, if, I believe if you can't answer all three of those questions very definitively, like those are very, very clear in your mind, then maybe something needs to change. And maybe it's something that we need to do as a church, you know, structurally to include more programs or something like that. Or maybe it's just something you need to do as an individual to go and start something or get involved in something. Um, Just to give some examples of some ways to connect, um, ways to get community. Um, This is on the back of your handout today, right? I'm just, I just put it up here, Um, which is... There is a uh, Christmas workday project this Saturday at 8 a.m. Show up. Jane's going to tell you what to do. It's as easy as that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jane's like, that's my kind of party. Um, the, uh, the not Labor Day, Labor Day picnic. Uh, obviously, this is Labor Day weekend, but that's coming up in a few weeks. Being a part of that, staying here after service and being a part of eating together. Um, Trunk or Treats coming up at the end of October. Melissa's going to talk more about these things. Um, 
on Facebook, there's, there's both a, uh, a prayer group on Facebook where people from the church share prayer requests. That's a way that you can definitely be involved is be a part of that. If you need to know how to be a part of that, you can just search out GCF prayer, I think. But let me know. We can, we can connect you with that. Um, there's also a church family page where a lot of times we'll post needs on there if someone needs to, you know, help with moving or something. Um, be a part of that. Um, Invite someone out to a meal. Man, this is super laggy today. I'm going to have to anticipate that. Invite someone out to a meal. Um, invite someone out to coffee. Very, very easy to do. Um, be here on a Sunday morning. There it is. Be here. Uh, be, uh, be a part of what we're doing here. And you might go, yeah, I'm here. I get that. I understand that. But um, I just want to put a plug in for the fact that being here all the time is important. Um, if I've learned anything from my years in youth ministry, and it, it is no different in adult ministry, if you miss a week, it's fine. You miss a couple weeks, those, those bonds start to strain. Three weeks, four weeks, they start to strain. Think about COVID, right? Where we were not getting together for, I don't know, what was it, eight weeks or something? It was a long time. How was your sense of community in, in that time? I mean, we were, of course, we were you know, going online and watching messages and stuff like that. But that strained our sense of community. You got to show up. Got to be here. We uh, soon, I can't give a timing, timing on this, but soon we will be encouraging home groups and, and working out home groups. So we're going to call home pods. Be a part of those. We'd like every single person to be in a small group of some sort. And maybe you're someone who's going to lead a small group. I don't know. Uh, but, the, but it's not just for Bible study. It's going to be for fellowship. It's going to be for a lot of different things. But um, hop in. Get a part of those things. And then whatever else. Like, uh, There's a question mark in my mind. How would you do this? I don't know. I'm not the, the genius who's going to come up with all, the, all of the ideas. I mean, I wouldn't have come up with a Christmas idea. That's why we need Jane, right? Like to put that together. We need as a body to be thinking, hey, we're going to commit ourselves to this. How do we get it done? That's the first principle. Doing life together. I want to be a part of, church, part of a church that does life together. Second one. The ideal church is where people come to serve, not to be served, and to give their lives for each other. If there's any criticism I have of the 21st century American church, actually my first criticism would be not understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? You guys have heard me talk about that before. I think that is a big problem in the American church. But two, probably the, a close second is that, that we have gotten in our mind this consumer idea about church, that I come for what I can get. I come to listen to a good message. I come to listen to, to sing a bunch of songs. Like, like, this is about me. That is not the picture at all in the New Testament. At all. Uh, Jesus' words, I think, are the most poignant here. He's talking to his... Uh, disciples, his apostles. He, it says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. The context of this is the apostles are actually asking about kind of some special status with Jesus and kind of working their way up the ladder or whatever. And, and he's like, That's the way the rest of the world works, 
right? And honestly, you can see this anywhere in, in, in our society. Everyone wants the next ladder on the job. Why? Okay, a little bit more financial security. But there's something else that really goes with that. I'd rather be the one making the schedule instead of the one that has to follow the schedule that the, my boss makes, right? You get more autonomy, more control. I want to have more control over my destiny, over my life. And the more power I get at my workplace, the more control I have over that. So I'm going to move my way up. It happens in clubs and organizations. And, like, this is just the way the world works. It, it works. It works on hierarchy. Look at what Jesus says. It is not this way among you. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works here. That's not the way it works among our community. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's the example. Just think about Jesus for a second. Just think about his whole life. Did he show up on this planet to be served by mankind? No. Is there even an inkling in anything he ever did that was like, you better serve me right now? I am the God of the universe, right? If there's anybody who should have been served it, that ever walked the face of the planet, it should have been Jesus, right? Like every single person he ever encountered should have just been completely thinking about bowing down and serving every single whim and need he ever had. But that's not why he came. He came to show us what it means to be together, to be a follower. And what that means is I become last. I become servant of all. I become, I become the slave. That the most important person in any room is never me. It's always you. That's, that's what this is. And it cost him his life, right? But somehow, we've gotten it in our minds, and this has been perpetrated by many different things, but we've gotten in our minds that this thing that we do is about us, is about me. If I, if I don't like it, if I'm uncomfortable, if this is not the way I want things to go, then I either complain about it or I go somewhere else, right? Because it's consumer-driven. It's like this, this thing is about what I get out of this, which is the exact opposite of what we're called to. We're called to come in here going, hey, how can I serve? What can I do for someone else? How can I encourage someone else this week? How can I be involved in someone else's life, life this week? How can I love someone else this week? That's, that's why we come together. And I want to be a part of a church, I would love to be a part of a, church, part of a church where every single one of us was coming in with that attitude, going, how can I serve? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Now, did this mean that Jesus was never served? No, he was served many times. I mean, you think of Mary Magdalene or Mary of Magdalene. She's, you know, wiping her hair on, on his on his feet, right? You have uh, Peter's mom when she, she get, just gets up from being deathly sick and she's like, let me serve you, right? And, and Jesus doesn't go, no, let me do it, right? He, was, he let her serve. But Jesus didn't come to be served, right? Do you, do you see the difference there? He didn't come here to get that service. Sure, people served him, but he came to serve. 
So why are we coming? Are we coming for what we can get out of this? Are we coming so other people can serve us? Just going to ask those same three questions. How are you growing here? How are you seeking growth here? What are you doing to do that? How are you pursuing connection here and community here? And how are you serving here? I'll just be real. If you can't answer that third question, how am I serving here? You might want to reevaluate maybe what you've thought all of your life. Maybe subtly what, what has been, because honestly, I, I think this idea is taught. Now, it's not taught overtly in churches, but when we talk about making this the most comfortable place for you, right, what are we saying to you? That you should be comfortable here. That you should like what we're doing here, right? I'm saying leadership-wise, right? That's communicating to you that this is about you being a consumer and us providing a product to you. Now, we would never say that, and I know I'm being very blunt in saying that, but how are you serving? I've got some, um, somewhere, I've got some opportunities. I think it's on the next slide. I'll give you some, some, some examples of that, some ability to do that, to get involved. Third one, the ideal church is where each person pursues their ministry within the body based on their giftedness. You guys are probably tired of me beating this horse. But I truly believe, and we'll look at a passage here, I truly believe that God brought every single one of you here. Like, yeah, you chose to come here, right? But God brought you here because you're an integral cog in the ministry here. You may not view yourself that way, but Christ views you you that way that you have a specific set of gifts and passions and propensities that actually is the right fit to our overall ministry here. And do I believe that because I see how every one of you fit into our ministry? No, I don't. I believe that because we're told this. Look at Ephesians 4. But to each one of us, this is verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's the first point, okay? I could, I could do all of Ephesians 4, but we don't have time for that. His context is we have the most important things in life in common, right? We sang that last song. All of those things we can declare together, right? I believe in God eternal. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Like, we all have all those things in common. The most important things in our life we have in common. But that doesn't mean we're all the same. God has gifted us in very, very unique and different ways, and he's given us grace, which really means gift, could be translated gift, to the measure of his gift. We all have a grace in our lives. We all have gifts and, and, and a multiple, my teaching pastor growing up would say a gift mix. I like that word because it's not necessarily something you can identify as one particular thing, but you are gifted in, in kind of a unique way to serve here. So he goes on a little bit later in verse 11, he says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So there are some equipping gifts. 
Uh, we've, I, we've talked about this idea before. I'm an, I'm an equipper. I believe God has gifted me to equip. I'm not some special guy. This is just the way God has built me, right? He's built me to equip, which means to, to equip us, and there's other equippers in this body, to equip us for the work of service. The work of ministry is what that word is. You have a ministry here and outside of these walls. It's our job to equip you for that ministry, right? It's part of my gifting to equip you for it. So that... Equip saints for the work of service. By the way, you are the saints. For the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belo- stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Do you get what he's saying here? He's saying as, not as you're equipped, you, equipping is part of it, but as you're equipped and you minister, right? You do the ministry you've been equipped for. The body will be built up. We will attain to the unity of the faith, which, is, which just means we will together be those who are trusting God, who are choosing to trust God together. There will be a collectiveness about that as you do your job and of the knowledge of the Son to a mature man. We will grow up spiritually, and that growth actually is to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That statement just blows my mind because what he's saying there is as each one does, does their part, the goal is, and, and, and it's not a goal that he's saying, ah, that's way beyond. He, he's actually saying this is what we're working towards. We're working towards growth that reaches the fullness of the person of Christ, the character of Christ being formed in us. But understand the most important thing that I'm trying to get across here, and the most important thing he's trying to get across here is the equippers don't accomplish these results. The, the fullness of Christ, the measure of the statue, the maturity, they help, they're part of it. But it's actually you doing your part in the church. You doing your ministry in the church is how we grow up to maturity. Which means, I think an idea we have about church that we've had for quite a while that I grew up with and I had this idea too, that really my maturity comes from me going to church, receiving what church has to give me, and me growing up. It's not the way it works. It's part of it. But it's when each one of us is ministering that the growth happens. Bottom line is, we need you to minister. We need you to do that. And as you minister, and as I minister, and as we minister all together, the results are amazing. Look at this. As a result, we will no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. There's plenty of that out in our world. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. You're a joint, by the way. According to the proper working of each individual part, you're an individual part that needs to be properly working, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. 
Can we take this challenge and go, I'm needed, like, say that to yourself, right? I'm needed here. I need to be ministering here. And maybe you go, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know, I don't even know how I'm gifted. I don't even know how, what my, my ministry might look like here in this place. That's great. Ask those questions. Let's try to find those things. But what we can't do is go, the, min- the work of ministry here belongs to that guy who speaks to us on Sunday morning and, you know, talks about his kids all the time, right? Like, that's not... The ministry, the work of ministry, yes, it is my work of ministry. It is my, my job is to equip. That is, yeah. But it's our job to do the work of ministry here. So let's figure out what that looks like for you if you don't know. If you can't answer that question, how am I serving? Where am I serving? Which I'll get back to these three questions, which, which honestly to me are the things that I'm hoping maybe we walk away with today is answering these three questions. Which is, how am I growing here? How am I seeking spiritual growth here? How am I seeking connection and fellowship here? And how am I serving here? Now, I have a whole slew of just some practical things. Um, that we can look at. Here's some opportunities for growth. One is one that I've already mentioned and put this picture up before. Be here, right? This is a place to grow. Sunday mornings, we try to format this for worship and growth, right? That's what we're doing. We're learning, we're growing, we're being equipped. That's part of what's, what's going on here. Um, in October, I'm just going to plug this for a second. Uh, every Wednesday in October, we're going we're gonna to coincide it with youth group, hopefully get some of the youth parents involved in this. But this is for all of us. Um, I'm gonna, you guys know I care about hermeneutics. I've taught hermeneutics a number of times in the class setting. I love hermeneutics. Um, it's, I always look at it as like... Um, the difference between giving fish and teaching someone how to fish, right? So um, I would, I'm happy to, to serve up fish, and I, I want to do that all the time. But um, I'm also very passionate about if you can more effectively fish for yourself, right? If you can more effectively open up Scripture and understand it when you read it. Um, that's, to me, that's huge, right? Um, so we're going to be doing that in October. We're just going to do four weeks. Uh, we're going to take it in kind of chunks. Um, so all you'd be committing to is four weeks, four Wednesday nights, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, we'll be doing that. That's a way to, to be uh, equipped. Uh, I already mentioned, uh, and I wish I could give you a time frame on this. I just can't. Uh, home pods. Some of those pods are going to be about Bible study, right? Open it up the Bible. So that's a, a way to be equipped. Um, that's a way to grow. That's a th- thing to get involved with in which you can grow. Um, if you are uh, junior high, high school, or 20-something, there are groups available for you to be built into, for you, for, uh, you to be uh, equipped and ministered to. Um, those all exist. And if you need to know how to get a part of those, uh, let me know. This one, to me, is the most important one because we don't have a million ministries here. We don't have a ton of ministries here. In fact, this might be the church that I've been a part of that has the least amount of structured ministry going on, right now at least, right? So, so what, what's, what's next? 
Like, what's the thing that you're like, man, I've always wanted to have something at the church like this. Do it. Come talk to me. I'm happy. Talk to anybody who's ever come to me with those kind of things. Jane can tell you. She came to me with with the the Christmas thing. I'm like, I just want to support that, right? We want it. The elder board just wants to support ministries that you guys want to start. So so start them. Do them. Um, Don't lose your connection. Um, (laughs) Who knows if that'll come back up. Uh, Hey, Ed, the connection's lost. You, You may go to OBS and refresh might be the answer. Um, All right. If, if you could see right now, I'd be showing you uh, service opportunities, um, which honestly was the biggest, uh, the biggest practical thing I wanted to share this morning. So you just have to listen. <coughs> I've got cute pictures of like a kid here that was supposed to make you go, oh, I want to do, do children's ministry because they're so cute. So some practical ways. These are needs in our body right now. I actually just talked to these ministry leaders this week and said, what are your needs? What do you need? Because I talk to them all the time, and they're like, we're, we really have a need. Um, but these are specific needs. Uh, children's ministry needs a teacher, someone who once a month will take an hour to prep and come and be a teacher on Sunday morning. They need three helpers. That is like cakewalk. You just show up. You uh, make sure the kids, you know, stay in their seats and stay focused. Uh, maybe that's not a cakewalk. Um, and uh, you, you take a kid to the bathroom. That's, they just need help because the teachers can't do that component of it or they can't teach, right? They're looking for someone who's willing to set up some crafts. It doesn't have to be every week. could be periodically. But, but pick a craft, maybe a craft that goes along with the lesson, and, and get it set up so the teachers can do a craft. They do crafts every week and need to be, uh, those need to be set up. So teacher, one teacher, three helpers, and crafts. Those are ways you can be involved in children's ministry. So if you're going, uh, I don't know where I'm serving, that could be a place you could serve. Man, this next part really needs visual. Oh, because I was going to try to prove to you that, that you could do the tech here at the church. I know, I know you're laughing because you're like, I'm not a tech person. That, I, I just look up there and I get nervous, right? Um, trust me, you can do tech because most of the time it works, right? It, it, that's, that is true. That is true. And, it, and if everything blows up, then Ed swoops in and saves the day, right? So, this might come up, but I was going to show you just a little visual of our program that runs our, our visuals on Sunday mornings. It, it, you come in, Jan comes in, uh, you know, who's, who's there this morning. It's all set up. All you have to do is press the right arrow. Ding, ding, ding. As the, as the lyrics change, right arrow. Ding, ding, ding. The whole time. That's all it is. If you know how to press a right arrow on a keyboard, you could do our, our visual media here because that's all you have to do. Now... Can it get more complicated than that? Sure. But that would be kind of you growing and going, I want to know more about this. I want to know how to rearrange things. I want to know. But, but honestly, I could show you in five minutes. In fact, I, I just did this with some ladies from BSF this week. I could show you in five minutes how to run our visuals, and you could run it. It's really that easy. It's not hard. I, I mean, Glenn Pearson does it. Come on. Right? Come on. 
He's not here this morning, so I can be, oh, no, oh, there he is. <laughs> That's not your normal seat. Are you, are you guys switching it up? Aren't you, aren't you usually over here?